in preparation for today's message. We shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Again, that is Galatians, chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will, from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. A pleasant good morning to everyone. Is this proof that the pandemic is over? It's the first time we seem to be full. I think September, it was like a ghost town here with very few people, but good morning and it's good to see you. We are about to finish our series on Galatians, and we are now on chapter 6, and uh, we will be covering verses 6 to 10. The title of today's sermon is So Goodness. Paul highlighted the value of the gospel. He explained that anyone who preaches another gospel or a distorted gospel is cursed. He clarified that justification is by faith in Christ alone, and righteousness is by faith in Him alone. Any other source of justification and righteousness is false teaching. Anyone who finds righteousness in their own morality or works or good works has abandoned the grace of God. Remember that we shared the morality that comes out of us, that should come out of us, is the result of the faith we have. But morality by itself cannot save anyone. It cannot justify us. Justification is by faith in Him alone, a complete belief and trust in what He said, who He is, and what He has done. And it's not as simple as we think. The significance is of eternal proportions. And once you understand, we understand, we would be eternally grateful. Yet our faith shall be fixed upon Him and Him alone. Paul then explained that those who have faith in Him should walk by the Spirit and not give an opportunity to the flesh. And those who walk by the Spirit are led by the Spirit and will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And it 
We have discussed that in a previous sermon, that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and such things are the fruit of the Spirit. And such things, there is no law in the... There is no law forbidding it, and there is no law that forces you, but it's the Spirit that leads you to do that. Paul then would proceed to teach that we should bear one another's burden, and then blessing the teachers, sowing and reaping, and blessing the household of faith. Point number one, share good things with the teacher. Let us read verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. When I was studying this text, I struggled a bit. I had to read more. Because somehow, suddenly, out of nowhere, out of nowhere comes this verse to share all good things to your teacher or to those who teach. Uh, he was talking about faith, the gospel. You're cursed if you, you distort the gospel. And uh, uh, you have abandoned the grace of God if you trust in your own works to save you or to justify you. And then you have to be led by the Spirit and, and walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. Uh, bear one another's burden, sure, we can accept it. And then suddenly, share all good things to your teacher. We can still connect it, but somehow, uh, those who study it in context somehow is just wondering, where did this come from and why did he put this here? And such is the question of the one who studies, the why. And the why should be answered by the context. And after reading a little bit more, they have different opinions on how to treat this verse. One would be to treat it like a proverb as he just wanted to remind them that they should be sharing good things to the teacher or to those who teach. Or it's still within the context of sowing goodness. And there is still a theme that fits it, which is to sow goodness, because in the latter verse, he would say, do good to everyone, especially the household of faith. But in between the two things, sharing good things to your teacher and doing good to the household of faith comes the, what you sow what is what you reap. So we were wondering how to treat this before last Monday. Uh, we had a discussion for some of us who took some time to study this. So I would say it may be treated separately. Paul instructed that believers to share all good things with their teachers. One reason, if we're going to connect it to the previous verses, is probably that the teacher helped carry the burden. And we remember that carrying the burden, most would interpret this as mental, emotional, financial burden of one another. Let's help carry that. But the immediate context was actually a spiritual burden, which is if any brother or sister is in transgression or in sin, you who are spiritual should help restore, which involves correction and restoration. What does it mean to bear one another's burden to help carry the load of one another was first spiritual within the context. But many use this as a favorite verse upon 
emotional, material things. And I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but what I'm saying, that's that not the primary intent of the author. If we carry one another's burden, which means we must have the courage and gentleness to correct each other. And it's usually the growth group leader, the one who disciples, and the pastors who watch themselves carefully, yet at the same time watch each other and try their best to correct each other. Like they ask you, have you been reading your Bible? Or have you finished the New Testament? And if you say no, they encourage you. That is bearing the burden. That is sharing, the, fulfilling the love of Christ, or fulfilling the law of Christ, which is to love your neighbor as yourself in a spiritual manner. Do you read it in context? Do you study it? That is bearing one another's burden. Or when we see somebody have, has a, a, a bad habit or a sinful habit, and we have to gently correct them and say, Hey, not that I'm better than you. I'm also a sinner, but we are taught to bear one another's burden. Allow me to correct you as a fellow sinner, saved by grace only as well, yet allow us to correct one another. And if somebody dares correct you, we must have the right response to it. Why? Because that is love in action. That is in action bearing a burden, which is a spiritual burden. Yet we know that some of us don't like it because we don't want anybody carrying our burden. We alone have our own spiritual uh, temperature. We alone can, can measure ourselves we alone should walk this faith, and that is pride to a high degree. Because God's design for His grace is through faith in Christ, but what Paul is saying in Galatians, it's also the brotherhood, the sisterhood. It is the family of Christ. It's the family of believers that help bear one another. So if we see, uh, where did this come from? Verse 6, probably we share all good things to them, to our teachers, because they're the ones who take the effort to teach us and even to a point, correct us. And if they do, you are blessed. If they don't, it means they don't care spiritually. And one who does not care spiritually is not a spiritual leader. And should not be leading spiritual things. They're doing it for the motions maybe. Just because we have to. And such is the family of God where we welcome correction. Because that's bearing one another's burden. We welcome being taught as we study together. And analyze and correct one another. Study even. And Paul is saying, let the one who is taught the word share good things. In fact, it says all good things. But let me point out that the context, I believe, is primarily spiritual, but not limited to spiritual blessings. Because Paul is being consistent once again. Again, if you know who Paul is, he's a scholar. He's a very brilliant, educated person, both on the Jewish side and on the Greek side. A brilliant guy. His writings are brilliant. It's logical, philosophical, theological, and spiritual. And if we treat this as a separate thing, 
we have to look where else did Paul write something similar about this. And we will find that in different places, as one was read to us a while ago during the giving about sowing and then reaping. And he also mentioned it in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, to those who labor in the Word of God, that they, they should be blessed materially as well. And also parts of Corinthians. But he is also aligned to what Christ said that we can find in chapter 10 of Luke verse 7 and Matthew 10, 10 that the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, some of you have the urge to share that is from the Lord. If you are blessed by somebody spiritually, somehow you're urged to share. And sometimes you share what you have. Some of you are good in cooking stuff and you share food. And in a Filipino church, so many are good cooks. So pastors get high blood often because they're always invited to eat and eat and eat. And sometimes diabetes because they, uh, they make the best desserts around and they share it to the pastor. Um, our request is, yes, we receive your gifts. Thank you. But don't kill us with kindness. But it's not only these things, but all good things. It may be material. If you see uh, a leader or a teacher in need, uh, you may extend that blessing to them. But not only when they're in need. I have met several people who just gave me a check. And uh, we don't need it. Not that I'm not in need every now and then. No, I am in want most of the times. I want it, right? It could be a good trip to Boracay. One time it did happen, we were planning a trip to Barak. I wasn't here, I was somewhere else. And uh, somebody gave us a check and we had money to go to Barak. Oh wow, we can go. That's a blessing. But you share all good things because you want to share all good things. Because we were instructed to share all good things. But I'd like to say it's not limited to, to official pastors of a church. I would say every growth group leader who takes the time to study the lessons carefully and to follow up on us, to call us and to invite us to take that time that sometimes we just take for granted and we're absent most of the time, but they're diligent to do so. And hopefully it's because they want to bear the burden because they, they feel compelled by the love of God to do so. And some even extend to extend their material blessings to us, then we are blessed. You are blessed. And what do you do? You share good things. And how does this become primarily spiritual? Uh, first, is we all follow Christ. And if a, a small group member, if I'm leading a small group and they grow in Christ, that brings me joy. I mean, that's true spiritual happiness, by the way. Not the happiness of the world. And we have to graduate from there, from the world to Christ. That our pursuit of happiness is not worldly, but spiritual. And the spiritual leader is happy and joyful when they see the members grow in Christ. How can you bless them spiritually? 
listen to the word they teach. And you're blessing their heart. When they gently correct you, you smile and you say, thank you for pointing that out. No, they're not attacking you. They're concerned. It's not an attack. That's why many bloodied pastors we've talked to, I was just helping out. And they said so many nasty things about me already. And I just say, welcome to the club. Jesus was betrayed. Who do you think you are? We're nobodies. Expect that to happen. And if you don't expect that to happen, you will be extremely disappointed. So when that happens, oh, this is what I was warned about. That's one. That's two. That's three. That's four. What do we do in response? Patience. Self-control. What if they don't want to listen? Then let them wallow in their own deceit. Let the Lord deal with them if you have done your part. Share all good things to your teacher. Paul's instruction was aligned to a teaching of Christ that teachers are worthy of their wages. Of course, Paul would even say to Timothy when he was pastoring a church, uh, to those who lead well and teach well, take note, two things, are worthy of double honor. Uh, what's double honor? It literally means double honorarium. Those who lead well and teach well. It's not just teaching well, it's both, leading well and teaching well. Yet we must be careful as if you are a teacher, you have to be careful not to be selfish about this. Hey, look at this. You should share all good things to me. No, that's being selfish about it as well. We expect nothing but from Christ himself. We expect the Lord to provide and not compel others to do so. We do not compel anyone to do so. We don't try to make them feel, you know, you know what, I'm actually having a hard time. Walang parinig. Somebody does that here, you tell me. And I will reprimand that. No, you know what, if you just give to my ministry, God will bless you. You tell me, you report to me immediately. That is not allowed here. But we can encourage you. If you want to help, fantastic. But you don't have to. We don't make you feel guilty if you don't. That's emotional manipulation. You, somebody makes you feel bad because you did not give to their work. Why would they make you feel bad? We servants of the Lord are servants. We expect from God, not from men. If God so moves men, praise the Lord. But we never force anyone. We never compel anyone. We don't manipulate anyone. We just teach what the word said. Verse 7 and 8. Let's read that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that. Will he also reap? For the one who sows to his own flesh 
will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Paul wrote a proverbial statement about sowing and reaping. If one sows to the flesh, he will reap spiritual corruption. On the other hand, if one sows to the Spirit, one will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Now, is Paul writing now just like giving practical notes to those, the recipients of the letter? Because right now he seems to be jumping from here and another, similar to the style of James. Suddenly there's little order, but there is still order here. Well, he's reminding them before I close this, it's so important about the flesh and the spirit. The discussion of flesh and spirit is so important. Let me remind you once again, if you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption. But to the spirit, you will reap eternal life. And this brings us back to what? What does flesh represent in the Galatian letter context? What? Dead works. What is dead works? Relying on your own good works. Relying on following the law for justification. Being legalistic is one work of the flesh. If you sow to the flesh knowing and being confident that it is through morality that you are saved, that it is about you, that you can do it. That is sowing to the flesh and that brings corruption. And that's what most religions teach, you have to be good. Oh, but Christianity teach, no one is good. All have sinned. Only God is good. We are all wretched sinners that need a Savior. You cannot do anything on your own capacity. We are justified. The removal of the guilt happens when we have faith. And faith is a type of surrender. No longer about me, but it's all about Him. No longer what I can do, not even the good I can do. Because it's not a point system. The more good work points you have, that's how you get to heaven. Because that's a lie. What we have is what? It is all of Him. Whether you trust Him or not, that's it. Whether you have faith or not, that's it. But should we not do good works? We keep saying that is a result. If you're truly in Christ, you will walk in the Spirit. You will walk by the Spirit. And you will manifest what? Christian character, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, and such things have no law. We want to obey because the Spirit puts it in our hearts. But our obedience does not save us. We obey because it's within us to obey. There's a big difference between forcing yourself to earn the points of heaven versus you trust only in what He did. Only He can save me. And then what I do now, I do by faith in the Son of God. Because of Him. Now do not, get, do not be mocked if you sow to the flesh you will reap corruption. Now the flesh, one meaning of the flesh is dead works, but it, it is also sin. And the deeds of the flesh are what? Sexual immorality. Pride against God and men. 
divisions, dissensions, gossip, no self-control. Those are the deeds of the flesh. And if we sow there, meaning if we put our mind, time, and energy there, we reap corruption. Now, this is, verse 8 seems to be going back to gospel and not gospel, either having faith or not. Either, either having faith on the true gospel or a distorted gospel. A distorted gospel is if you add anything to the justification, like good works. Or any other person. In Christ alone are we saved. If you put another saint there as equal to Christ for you to be saved, then, oh! You think it's okay? Huh? You think it's okay to celebrate another name for your salvation? Huh? You think it's okay? <laughs> Scripture says, no. No. I was asked by somebody, can you write an article? What do you guys do during fiesta? I said, I'll think about it. But I was been asked here so many times about it. We do not celebrate any saint. Is that clear? But do we eat food? Yes, we eat food. Why? Because our classmates come home every September. And we have to eat with them. We eat during reunions, but not in celebration of anybody. So brothers, you can eat. If you share food, share because you want to share food, right? Not in celebration of anything. Because we don't put anybody equal or greater than Christ himself. God is not mocked. Some of us feel the need to defend God. We defend the gospel for the sake of the people. But God doesn't need that. He is God. He is self-sufficient. For the sake of others, we try to explain that there is a God to those who don't believe there is a God. For the sake of those listening, we explain that the gospel is about repentance and faith, not about the good works. We try to explain that for the sake of those who listen, but God is God. I heard somebody preach, it made my blood boil, forgive me, Lord. Poor Christ, poor Christ, knocking at the door of your heart. We just let him in and let him eat. Poor Christ, have you not read? He sits at the highest place of authority in the heavenlies that covers the universe. That is the highest place of authority at the right hand of the Father. The highest place of execution. And Him and the Father are one. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Poor Christ. Ha! My Christ became poor, yes, but he was never poor. He had to show on earth 33 years 
And some would even contest if he was truly poor because Joseph was a carpenter. And the carpenter in Joseph's time is not the carpenter in our time and place. Oh no, the carpenter has good work during that time. Oh, but isn't he poor? He lived in a manger. No, no, he wasn't poor. He lived. Remember the study. Joseph looked for inns. He looked for hotels, but they were all full. He ended up in the manger. What do you think he do? He did with the, the gifts of the Magi. There are no three kings. They're Magi. Okay? Magi. Not Maggie. Instant noodles. Magi. Means wise men. Those who study the stars. They study prophecy as well. And they brought gifts. But in what way did he live poor? He lived in the heavenlies. He... If you read Philippians chapter 2, took the form of man that is humbling himself. God taking the form of man. God is not mocked. Somebody attacking God, he is not mocked. He is not mocked. We will explain for their sake. But God, our God, is not mocked. Don't humanize God too much. He is elevated high above us. Whatever you sow, you will reap. You will reap your own consequences. You sow your mind and heart to the gospel, which means you're sowing to the Spirit as well. You will reap eternal life. You sow to the flesh. God is not mocked. You will have your place. You will have your place. And that has been determined. If you do not come to Him, that is determined. God is not mocked. You blame God, He is not mocked. Where were you when I was having a hard time? You know what God said to Job? Who are you? To say such things. Were you there. When I created the universe. Were you there. When I made all these things. Were you there. That's why Paul said nicely. In chapter 9 of Romans. Will the pot say to the potter. Why did you make me like this. Some of you are artists. Will the painting say to you, why did you make me look like this? God is not mocked. You will reap your own consequence. One brother in our discussion had a wonderful insight here, which probably could be acceptable, which is, this in the context in Share All Good Things, your teacher but do not be deceived, God is not mocked. <laughs> if you expand a little bit of the application, but if you sow to the teachers who teach about good works and the flesh or add anything to the gospel, 
then you will reap that as well. We carefully listen to the teaching of every teacher. And like Bereans, assess the context if they're teaching properly. Not so welcoming just because he had a few verses. Check the context. How do I check the context? Have you studied ancient books? Have you studied literature who's, who's, that was written hundreds of years ago and, and the authors are di have died? How do we study it today? We look back at the history. What was happening during that time? And we analyze the literature. We cannot use our present day to interpret certain stuff. Try using Sun Chu in a world of nuclear war. No, no. You, to appreciate the art of war of Sun Chu, you have to look at how did they do war then. During the time he lived in China, what was the political situation? The warring kingdoms, how many were they? Were it the three kingdoms? Were it the seven kingdoms? When did he live? How did he write this? It says that he never lost a battle. It is rumored that, that the king even challenged him to train his concubines to be soldiers. And he beheaded two of them for disobeying. You have to understand the context and appreciate this. But now, you know what they say right now? You cannot interpret only a group of elite who can interpret the Bible, not you. That's what happened in the Dark Ages. The Bible was not given to everybody. And those who promoted translations of the Bible were burned to death at the stake. We take for granted the freedom we have that we can look and study and check if they're wrong or if I am wrong and be careful what we apply. God is not mocked. You think any person can mock God? If he has not shown the judgment now, there is a time and place. Why do the evil survive? God has a purpose for the evil on earth. Why seem that the evil prosper? God has a purpose for the evil even today. But in due time, all who mock God will suffer. We react too much to small things. God is not like you. God is not like us. He's different. Now, a believer must sow time, energy, and resources to the Spirit. Time, energy, and resources to the Spirit. The immediate context is about sharing good things. Before these two verses was to the teacher, and after this, we would be reading to the household of faith. It's also doing good to the household of faith, the church community. And third point, goodness to the household of faith. Paul encouraged the believers to continue to sow good if there is an opportunity, especially to the household of faith. The reason he gave was that if they do not give up, 
give up what? If they do not stop sowing goodness to the household of faith, they will reap the reward of doing so. Let's read verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary. Don't get tired of doing good. Small group leaders never get tired. But Brother Ed, some of them are so stubborn. I will reserve my time for them. And they don't even tell me they can't come. They don't respect my time. Don't get tired of sowing good. Yes, that is disrespectful. And yes, that is foolish. Don't get tired of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. How does everyone happen? The gospel of Jesus Christ we proclaim. And in extreme moments, we help out as well to everyone. But don't forget, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to the household of faith. Now, how may one sow goodness? Remember that sowing goodness or goodness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Again, how? By bearing one another's burden, which is what? Helping each one walk spiritually in the Lord. Restoring and correcting each one in the Lord. And sharing all good things with the teacher. That is sowing goodness. And sharing resources to build the community of faith. And how do we build the community of faith? By building more small groups. And in the small groups, having healthy spiritual relationships. Where the Word of God is a center, that's how to build a household of faith. And what do we do? We try. Yes, we try. Brother Ed, I'm not a good facilitator. You can learn. I feel ashamed. I know. I've been there. Some will criticize me. Yeah, they will. But if you keep doing it by the grace of God, the grace of God will be upon you. And as time goes on, if you keep doing this, He will sharpen you like a sword. He will use you like His arrow in His bow. You will be His instrument of glory for Him. If you do not give up. Yet, let us not grow weary, which means patience and consistency. Small group leaders, consistency. If you said every week you'd do everything you can every week at that schedule. It's like 90% you have to be there. Maybe 10%. It's okay to be absent because sometimes it's a real situation that you can't be there. But if you always cancel and adjust and adjust and adjust, you're, what you are saying is that the group is not as important to these other things. And that's not right. This is a work of God. Application, and just to remind us, number one, bless the teacher. That includes your small group leaders who learn to teach, to facilitate. And that includes the teachers wherever among us who teach behind this pulpit. 
or in different classes, there are many ways to bless our teachers in our church community. One is to practice the fruit of the Spirit with them. One is goodness. Be good to them. Okay? Be good to them. They're not perfect. They also need to be corrected. We also need to be corrected. And don't practice the deeds of the flesh with them or against them. Like division. Don't practice that. Another practice is to share material blessings with them, like food and other blessings. Just don't kill with kindness. Choose what you share. Oh, may high blood ba si brother? Alam ko na bibigay ko sa kanya. No, just kidding. Another practice is to give to the church community regularly. Here we give a report in giving. Last month was really bad. Most months are good, but last month was really bad. Uh, why do we need that? We need to educate our leaders. That's expensive. We need to educate them. We need to support them. Although we also practice supporting ourselves because it will never be enough when we have growing kids. We also support ourselves, but by giving to the church community, it helps us manage the finances that we may support those who would be more, who can give more time than most of us. Another way is to support their livelihood. What do I mean? Because they're self-supporting. Some of us have a, a simple business or trade. Stop asking for discounts. Okay? Just, just pay it, right? Oh, sometimes it's okay, once in a while. You have to allow others to make money from you. That's one way of blessing. But without abuse, you get value to what you pay for. We bless one another. We may extend such blessings, please, to your small group leader. But I warn every leader here never to abuse this spiritual truth. Never. Because we answer to God. Remember, don't be like those on TV. If you give $1,000 now, God will make your bank account fat. That's not always how God blesses us. There are times the blessing is a trial because the trial shapes us to be better people. It strengthens us. So we don't believe in the prosperity gospel be careful what you see on YouTube and Facebook. Practice the principle, number two. Sowing and reaping is a universal principle. One might even argue that it is a divine law set by God in the universe. What do I mean? It's like the land. If you sow a lot of seeds in a good land, in a good environment, you will reap. And we see a lot of rye, uh, palai and corn. I'm harvesting more cacao pods now. Because I planted cacao, right? Therefore, it will be a cacao fruit. If a banana comes out of a cacao, there's something wrong, right? If you sow goodness, the Lord will bless you with goodness. In his way, not your way. If you sow to the flesh, if you sow evil and gossip and slander, you will reap the results of that as well. 
be careful what we sow. If we sow for pleasure, you use, let's even use money. If you use money for just pleasure, then it doesn't have to be a sin, but if you just use money always for pleasure, like drinking that expensive, sugary, milk tea, that frappuccini chino that costs 150 bucks, then that money flies away. But it doesn't really fly away because some of the fat stays here, right? So it doesn't really fly away. But you've lost your money. But if you put your money in somewhere that it might return, but do not be scammed, please. Do not be scammed. Before you invest in anything, have the financial literacy to do so. If you use your money to plant something behind your backyard, at your backyard, one day you will reap its fruits. One day you don't have to go to the market and buy calamansi, you'll just get it there. If you sow it, it returns. If you sow to yourself so that you invest in yourself to develop, to develop other skills, then you will reap because you will have more skills, more opportunities will wait for you. You can take more opportunities. Even it's a universal law. But if you don't sow anything, you don't invest anything, you expect something to return? <laughs> what is that? You lack this if you expect something without sowing. If we sow potatoes, we reap potatoes. Not kamote, potatoes, potato, kamote, kamote. Kamote kahoy is not kamote. It's cassava, right? I found that out a few years ago. <laughs> if we sow good, if we sow to spiritual things, we will be blessed spiritually. If not, then we will reap otherwise. Therefore, we must wisely use our time, attention, energy, and resources. If we keep giving of ourselves to spiritual things, we will reap eternal rewards. Those who keep sowing in the flesh, to the flesh, will reap damnation. Keep sowing in the Spirit then. And third, bless the community. Let us not get tired of doing good to others, especially to the household of faith. We should make the most of every opportunity. And in due time, the Lord will allow us to reap the blessings of sowing goodness. Let us take note that we must not give up on practicing goodness. Goodness is included in the fruit of the Spirit, which is best practiced in small groups. In our context, we call them growth groups. Few verses, but packed with truth to apply. I share you to you right now a piece of poetry called Blessings to Sow. We should treasure those who teach well, but pray that their heads do not swell. 
We thank God for those who preach right, staying true to the gospel light. Thus we share all good things with them, so that they are not overwhelmed with the many cares of this life. Let's also protect them from strife. God is not mocked, don't worry. And don't you try it. Don't dare sow against holy writ. It says what we sow we shall reap. Understand and let it run deep. It's true. We shall reap what we sow. Therefore, the evil we must throw. The Spirit leads us to goodness, springing forth from His righteousness. Never give up on sowing well. In the house of faith that we dwell, to each other sharing good things, in time we shall reap His blessings. Let us all rise. Thank you, Lord, for your reminders. Lead us, O Holy Spirit. We submit to your word that we may share good things to those who teach us. That we may be reminded that God is not mocked. We should not be deceived. What one sows, he will reap. If we sow to the flesh, we will reap damnation, corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, which is believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and living it, and being led by the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. Remind us that we should not get tired of doing good. We should persist. We should persevere. For in due time, we will reap your blessings. For we do not seek to please men. What we seek is to please you above all else. Yet, what you command us is to sow goodness to others, to people, other people, but especially to the household of faith, especially to the church community. Allow us to share goodness and kindness, encouragement to our leaders as well. Yet not with flattery words that can swell their heads, not in manipulative ways, but simple goodness, simple kindness, a simple prayer, or a prayer that wrestles Intensely, a small effort or a big effort, whatever way, teach us to build our community, to bless our teachers, and to bless each other. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you.